jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Which month continues apace? <laughs> oh, oh, you're transforming. I like it. <laughs> it's witch month. And, you know, keeping somewhat with, it's not with the witch theme. But I was thinking earlier oh. this week that maybe I should ask people to address me as Goody Ponder. <laughs> Done and done. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god! I mean, I know you're from like witch territory, like right. New England, mm-hmm. but you already have a built-in witch name. <laughs> I already have a built-in witch. Goody name. fucking pond. Goody ponder stew the sap pond- of Lucifer. <laughs> we saw. Uh, Goody ponder your orders ready. <laughs> old-timey witch country enthusiast why am i not calling myself with an old-timey witch country uh moniker stacy you need to bring it back i'm gonna bring it back so i anthony hudson and goody ponder goody ponder. <laughs> i'm gonna start wearing bonnets and we're gonna be the gay ye lordes of dark of dark Neff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ye gay lords is <laughs> gay lord f- of dark Neff. <laughs> dark <Neff. Yeah. laughs> on this <laughs> vich nonth. Yeah, Anthony Hudfun. <laughs> And Goody Ponder. Goody Ponder presents. I have a postmates for Goody Ponder. <laughs> that is me, kind sir. Why'd you order so much toast? <laughs> Fucketh thee! <laughs> Shut <Yeah>. the door! <laughs> Shut the door! <laughs> <laughs> witch month, baby! It's got my juices flowing. Oh, I love witch month. It's got my, my slime going everywhere. I'm just, I got blue, blue slime jelly. <laughs> I feel alive. But, uh, you know, it's, it's starting to feel like fall. The tree It's getting a little autumnal. Yeah, leaves are starting to change colors. It's getting to be that time. So good, good. Uh, which month is just adding to it? So anytime you see the like red, yellow, orange leaves beginning to accum, you know, <laughs> I just I just immediately I, I just want to grab a camera and film a witch movie right then in mm-hmm. the neighborhood. You can do it. Yeah, but am I gonna? No, of course not. But you could. I could sit on the internet and yell at people about it. (laughs) When I'm not also watching more Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and catching up uh, after this amazing Kyle Richards news that I still can't get over. Still not over it. Listen, Kyle Kyle Richards watch 2.0. It's still happening. (laughs) Did you see, (laughs) Stacy? We mentioned on the last episode that Jamie Lee, I I was saying I can't wait to see Jamie Lee pretend that she still, that she knows who Kyle Richards is. Oh my God. 
Much like on Real Housewives when she had to pretend she knew who Kyle Richards was and that they were in the same movie together. Watching (laughs) Jamie Lee post, not only on Twitter and on Instagram, but everywhere else, that she's so excited to bring back Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace to the Halloween franchise. (laughs) And she quote-unquote mistakenly tagged a porn account (laughs) (laughs) and then left the post up because she said she couldn't edit it (laughs) and then tagged the real Kyle Richards in that. Oh my gosh. And then she said, clearly the porn account is fake, as if to imply that it was a fake porn account for Kyle Richards herself. Right. When it was actually a real porn star going by that name. (laughs) It just... (sighs) It's, um, she is a master class in shady ass passive aggression. Yeah. <laughs> and I love her. Even though I, <laughs> I still feel terrible for Kyle and I will always side with her in this. Oh, God. Or just, I mean, it's cluelessness. She just doesn't know. She just doesn't give a fuck. She really. <laughs> Which I guess she doesn't have to. She's got her digestive issues to worry about. <laughs> Etc. I just love her. I just love what a big fucking liar she is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I will always yeah. keep flashing back to the special features for Halloween Resurrection, aka michaelmyers.com, where she's just like, let me tell you the storyline it sets up. This is better than any Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to end Laurie Stroh's legacy the right way and to make her real for the first time. Like, it's so I mean, good. I know they all do that, you know, they, they all, all to, do it. But it's it. every time she's like, well, the last movie was shit. But this time, I'm this really time, excited. though, I swear. Yeah, this time we're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Who's Kyle? What? <laughs> Kyle, I don't know him. can't wait for that movie it's over a year away that's you know we have some time we do we have some time to work up we can at least do seven episodes on the trailer in that time (laughs) i think so man i hope she's in the trailer she better be they can't you can't like announce her and then not put her in the trailer right yeah i keep wondering like how are they gonna style her like is she gonna be like Kyle Richards, real housewife Kyle Richards, or are they like, is she gonna like go the glamour route or in like, like retain her image, or is she gonna go the route of like wanting to be like an actor and wanting to like, like age herself like Jamie Lee kind of like they sort of did with mm. Jamie Lee in the last one, you know? Maybe she'll know. be a big dyke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She could come back like, uh, like Emily Valentine on the new yeah. BH90210. <laughs> yeah. She's been living in rural Haddonfield. <laughs> running it a success <laughs> Yeah. And running a successful mannequin Etsy shop. <laughs> that's where that's Lori's it. been that's, getting up. Yep, that's how Lori reconnects. <laughs> <laughs> and every time Lori goes into the shop, she's like did you always work here? Are you yeah. the same? <laughs> Who are you? Where's the manager? Can I talk to the manager? Ah, <laughs> uh, well. But that uh, that's a year away. Yeah, not and not this year and not today. No, today. We're hmm. going back in time. All the way back to 1999. The 1900s. Ooh. <laughs> oh, 1999. Yeah. Wow, speak it, Goody Ponder. 
<laughs> oh my god, I can't believe it's that old. Anyway, we're talking about the Blair Witch Project, obviously. Oh. <laughs> That's the genuine <laughs> Did response. you just, do you have a movement? I had several <clears throat> movements of yeah. many different kinds. Man, I watched it last night and ha-cha-cha, right? Ha-cha-cha. What a movie. Ha-cha, motherfucking cha. I, you know, there yeah, people, I think, like, I mean, I guess that's true of every movie, that they like it or they don't. But it's like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but Blair Witch really, there's a big schism between the people who really dig it and the people who are like, it's boring, nothing happens, there's some sticks and rocks, and I just, it's just a stupid movie. Yep. Yep. That was, that was me and Maddie watching it uh, last night. Maddie'd never seen it. And he was like, is it? I'm not going to watch it with you. Because I told him, listen, this is the only horror movie that I will not watch alone. I can't watch it alone because it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And he's like, is it even? He's like, well, I'm not going to watch it then. I was like, no, just just watch the beginning and see how cute Heather is. And like, you'll like her. <laughs> and then and then we started. And then and he's like, Does, is this just people walking through the forest like forever? <laughs> and I was like, OK, maybe it's different for you. Right. And then I said, have you ever gone camping? And he's like, once, and I never did it again. Like, did you go. grow up around the woods? Did you grow up around the woods? I think these are all integral things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, and also it's just, if something about the movie grabs you and you are in its world, oh. in, in which case, yeah, them walking in the woods, there's a terror behind it. Or them finding a fucking pile of rocks. Like, it's all really scary. Like, this movie still scares me. Like, the shit in the house, I mean, whatever, we'll get to it, but I'm all over the place with this movie. But the end of it, the sequence in the house, terrifies me still. Last night, I was I was scared. <laughs> I, Stacy, I, I think it's been, honestly, I think it's been like 10 or 8 or at the, at the very least 5 years since I've seen this movie last. Um, but I feel like it's probably been a decade. Uh because I, I remember it so vividly because I, I've watched it a million times uh, when it, like after it came out and 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 also there's the fact that I cannot watch it alone. Um, so so watching it this time with like somewhat fresh eyes or older eyes, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised that I was still and my greatest fear was that I wouldn't be affected by it. Like especially yeah. especially watching it with Maddie, who's like not as into it. Um, my greatest fear was like that I would be like, oh, this movie is just like long or, oh, it's like, it's clever and it was influential, but it's not as effective today. I was terrified. (laughs) And I actually like at one, at like two or three different points, like I started crying because I was so upset. And the house, my eyes got filled with tears. That happens when I get scared. It's like, like, yeah. I have never experienced that watching a horror movie. I've like, I've had tears from like, moments of beauty of like art beauty you know like like suspiria moments like or or just yeah moments that resonate with me i'll cry but like i was literally crying for them but also because i was fucking scared yeah and i've never had that and i've never had that response with this movie and so that was shocking to me (laughs) yeah 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 it's like if i watch halloween now the original um 
it doesn't scare me anymore. It used to scare the hell out of me, like when I was a kid. And, you know, like, I think it's still a scary movie, but I think I've just seen it so many times that I'm numb to its power. Sort of. I appreciate mm-hmm. it a lot. I love it, but it doesn't keep me awake. It's not scary. And so I was surprised with this one that, yeah, I've seen it a bunch of times. I know every fucking beat of this movie. Yep. And yet it's still like, after it was over, I had to watch something else because I was creeped out. It's so <laughs> It That's taps why... into so many of my specific fears. Yes. Really well. Yes. So. Yes. I mean, it, 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 this movie, I don't know, like Maddie was like, do you think it was just because you were a kid and like, you know, you saw this when you were 13? I don't. Honestly, like, I think there's part of that, of, of having been part of the zeitgeist around the movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never forget sitting in my, I would stay up, you know, so, I mean, I still, am, I still am a teenager who stays up so, 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 so fucking late until it's blew out. But I was staying up in my room. I had MTV on. It's like, <laughs> it's like 11 in the, mo- 11 at night or three in the morning or something. All of a sudden, there's a little world globe comes up, MTV News. Serena Altschul pops up, and she's like, a movie is taking the world by storm at Sundance, blah, blah, blah. And, she's, and she shows a clip, and it's the clip of Heather running through the field screaming, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? And my heart sank instantly, and I was like, I need to see this movie, whatever it is. This, is this, this looks like the scariest thing I've ever seen. And since then, I mean, that fear has retained <laughs> that yeah. same that same interest in the story and i mean is this a movie do we even need to set this movie up for people everyone knows what the blair witch project's about i think everyone knows what it's about right in 1994 three student filmmakers set out to film a documentary outside burkesville maryland a year later their footage was found everyone knows this so simple so simple it really struck me last night like you know it's an influential film but last night, I was like, my God, this is an influential film. Like, if you want to pinpoint five or six horror films in the history of the genre, this is one of the most important horror films of this all time. This is one time. of them. And it's just, it's wild to me that, like, it. I was there opening night. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's, yeah, you, me too. Ta- you, you talk about Halloween that, like, oh, it, you know, kind of kicked off the slasher genre, et cetera, et cetera. But I was not there for that. But to be yes. there for this and to see, having not seen it in a few years, but being a found footage enthusiast, to see how influential this fucking movie is, it's insane. It's like when you hear the stories about people lining up or getting denied entry to Psycho. Uh, because they're mm-hmm. coming late. Or you hear about people, like, f- throwing up and fainting during The Exorcist and feigning demonic possession. Like, this is our era of yeah. that. That was uh, this. I, like, I saw it. it. It had, like, a limited release for a weekend or something. And then it opened mm-hmm. wide. And that first showing, I was there, New York, at the Angelica. It was like the premiere of the movie. And it was a midnight show, which was super rare oh. at the time. They never did midnight shows. Like now it's pretty, almost every new movie gets like a midnight show somewhere. Mm-hmm. That was not happening in 1999. It was July. I remember yeah. that. 1999. This gets a midnight show. The lobby of the Angelica, they had all of these glass cases that were filled with artifacts from, quote unquote, from the film. Oh so, my God. When, yeah, 
uh, like at the beginning when they're going off and Heather's like, oh, this is my journal. This is my this. All of those books were in the case at the Angelica. Oh, my God. Film cartridges, videotapes, like everything they found buried under the house was in the case at the Angelica. All this shit. And it's like. There had been some promotion at that point, but not everybody knew. And, like, we went to see this movie, and I knew it was fake. Like, that it was whatever. Um, But on the way home that night on the subway, my friend turns to me and says, So I'm really confused about this. Was that the actual footage that they found under the house? Or did they recreate the footage that they found under the house? And it's like, then it opened wide a week or two later. And by that point, everybody knew. And like some of the luster had kind of come off it. Mm -hmm. But just to be there for this, his fucking historic thing in the genre, just blows my mind. Yeah, that's, I mean, you'll never, we'll never experience something like that again. No. Uh, No. Especially, I mean, in terms of that, that configuration of, of story, world building, movie marketing, uh, and that time and place. I mean, the internet, that that was the the Wild West days of the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, I mean, when you say influential, it's like, it's like, what? Okay, this not only built, I mean, sure, we can talk about Cannibal Holocaust or The Last Broadcast or whatever. Right. But like, this movie established the found footage genre. Mm-hmm. This movie created every single trope. And it's so funny watching these tropes done for the first time in this movie that we now have seen 800 million times. Yeah. But they work in this. Um, Literally created by three young actors wandering in the forest who are being given, like, post-it notes every morning Mm -hmm. uh, in the moment creating this. So it created fucking found footage uh, in terms of independent films and becoming this, like, like, the most profitable independent film of all time. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. The, the the internet marketing, like this, it created internet marketing for films. Mm-hmm. Like, the, and, and I think probably a million other ways. This movie is so formative. Yeah. Um, I remember, Jason told me a story about when he was, when this movie first came out, he was at a movie theater and like someone that he assumes was paid by the studio, like came up to him and his friends in the lobby and they're like, have you seen this movie? It's the Blair Witch Project. They, the FBI or something found these tapes and they've released the movie in the theaters. And <laughs> it's this like the last evidence of these kids that went missing making this film. And so then they went and saw it. Um, I, I, loved, I loved the website myself. I would spend hours on the website when it came out just terrifying myself. <laughs> and I remember I would have to turn off the sound because you could go through and read all the mythology of the Blair Witch and her appearances every, is it every 60 years? I think I can't so. remember. Every 50 years something? Um, but you could read about all the different instances like Coffin Rock and Eileen Treacle and Rustin Parr and, and all of the different stories of, of her reappearances throughout time. And then the sound that I would always have to turn off because it scared the shit out of me and it's still the scariest thing about the movie to me is the sounds of, like, the rumbling in the woods and the trees breaking. Mm-hmm. And just those, like, echoes and those forest sounds at night. Oh, oh, oh. they creep me out <laughs> so much. Yeah, my mom, after it, like, came out on video, like, my mom was crazy about this movie and she had the t-shirt. Oh my god, that's awesome! That had, like, their pictures on it and said missing on it. Like, the missing poster, it was on a t-shirt. Oh my god! And she wore it when she went to get her hair done. 
And her hairdresser was like, what's that? Because he was like really out of touch with pop culture and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, what's your what's who are they on your T-shirt? And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to go with this. And so she just (gasps) told him like the story. She didn't say it's like a fake movie, blah, 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 blah. And then the next time she went back, he was like, I went on that website and I can't believe they haven't found these kids and that no one is like he was really upset. Oh and like, my wanted, God. He like wanted to call the FBI. <laughs> 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 and find out why no one was finding these kids. It's a travesty. And then she had to tell him it was fake. I love it. Well, and I that's it really speaks to uh, the not just the zeitgeist around the film in that time, but. Um, this mythology and how effective it was in creating almost an alternate timeline that we were all willing, there was like willing suspension of disbelief to go along with this alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, then when that got conflated with like conspiracy theorists online, where like people were convinced it almost became like a Paul is dead, Paul is the walrus kind of scenario where yes. people were saying that like doubles were hired to play Heather and Mike and Josh when they were doing press junkets or when Heather went on to be in like girls and boys or whatever that movie was with Freddie Prince Jr. Um, I remember like, I remember being in an AOL chat room, an American love online chat room. And somebody was, <laughs> somebody was like, somebody was like, I was in a horror chat room and someone's like screaming at everyone. He's like, they are actually dead. How dare you all still love this movie and watch it and support it. These act, these filmmakers died. And I'm like, I have, the copy of like Time magazine with like the interviews with them. Yeah. They're not, they're not dead. I've I've seen them on Conan or like the late yeah. show. Yeah. Like but people still were so willing to believe it. And like part of that going in, you know it's a movie, but you're willing to turn off your brain because the mythos and that's what I loved watching this movie. And I was going to say booting up this movie because <laughs> Goody Ponder and her internet fingers have infected me. <laughs> but like, I was, I was so, I'm so impressed. With, like we talk about, it's such a hot topic or term right now, but world building. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about it with like the Dark Crystal or with, I don't know, with Midsummer, or anything where the production design really comes together in such a way to form um, another world. And in this, it's so funny how much world building they do literally with just stories. There's no, there's yeah. nothing else. It's yeah. just stories. It's, I was, that's what struck me because you and I have talked about Ellie Kedward a lot. Oh. And... I'm like, oh, yeah, the picture of her and blah, 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 blah. And I realized how much of that, of my impression and knowledge comes from supplemental material. Oh, Because yeah. the film does a great job of that world building and all of that with minimal information. I was Just... shocked at how little information there actually is. Everything else came from the website and from Curse of the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. The the faux documentary that was like on the sci-fi channel that was an hour long that came out in tandem with the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's for the, act- for the Blair Witch Project, the actual film, I think that serves the story and the world building so well is that we're not hammered with all these facts. We're not seeing a picture of the witch. We're not, it's like Heather will make a stop at the cemetery and be like, there's a lot of children's graves here. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go to Coffin Rock and be like, 
people died here. They were disemboweled and arranged in a pentagram. And then the, a few interviews with people around town, and even those interviews, with the exception of like Mary Brown. Oh, my queen. And the two, the fisher, the dude, two dudes who were fishing who have a little specifics, but there's so few specifics that it just makes it feel more real because all of those urban legends will be like, oh, yeah, a guy escaped. And maybe you know his name. But it's like he escaped from the asylum and he's been living in the woods. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. go too much into detail, which takes away some of the truth of it. Yeah. And it, it, it that's exactly it. They're urban legends. It feels like mm-hmm. it, it, it's just it's like people when that that those opening scenes there when they go into Burkittsville. God bless every single one of those actors slash townies that was just ad libbing with some of the information Eduardo Sanchez and Dan Myrick gave them. Mm-hmm. Because they are so amazing, so effective. Uh, my favorite is the woman telling the story about the Blair Witch and the, with the kid. <laughs> the little girl keeps like covering her mouth and freaking out. Mm-hmm. And that was just that just like magically happened in the moment, right? But like, but like that, it's so effective because it's it's like you're watching a bunch of townies just doing a game of telephone with folklore they've heard. Right, yeah, like the woman with the child. It's like her. She's like, "Well, I don't go up there." Yeah, and that's it. It's not like, "Well, I heard in 1963 this happened, and in 1863 this happened, and blah blah blah." It's like it just gives you enough to buy into this mythology, and that the townspeople are like, "It's probably all a crack of shit," but I'm not going up there. Yeah, yeah, like the website would present it all as like canon text. Right. Um, here's all the details that happened in this date. Here's all the details that happened in this date. Curse of the Blair Witch um, fleshes them out with like documentary recreation scenes and illustrations. In the movie, you just get these moments where it's like the only text that they have is Heather has the old book that has an article about the killings at Coffin Rock. Right. Everything else is just um, secondhand information. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, like, oh, a lot of babies' graves from 1940. And then the man in town, like, helps flesh out some of the story of Rustin Parr. Right. But that's it. It's all just secondhand information. And it, it's just, I can only imagine even how much more effective this is coming from New England, too, where witch stories are just always afoot there, right? Right, yeah. Like, where it's like, oh, that's the you know what happened in these with. woods? Yeah, and so that was enough for me to just totally... This movie just fucking works for me so well. So I was sitting there watching it last night, holding myself, holding my <laughs> holding my legs up to my chest and, and clamping on as hard as I could and not breathing the entire movie, welling up in tears, terrified, while Maddie stares at me in disbelief. <laughs> and I was, I was honestly thinking to myself, is this the most effective horror movie ever made? <laughs> I kind of think it might be. It's one of it them. It could be. It's in it's because they keep it fucking simple. Even the title, it's a white font on a black screen, The Blair Witch Project. Ugh. That's it. That's all you fucking need. The title and then that you get that little tagline. There was mm-hmm. the tagline on the poster. It's the first bit of information you see after the title and the credits. It has that like 16 millimeter kind of shake to it. Mm-hmm. And it just tells us these kids went missing. A year later, their footage was was found. Yeah, and see, that's like that plants so that trusts the audience to fill in blanks. 
and to be taken with this. They don't have to have three pages of, and then he was released from the insane asylum, and then mm-hmm. this happened and that happened. It's like, no, this, something happened. Maybe we'll see what it is. Yeah. And coming from this time when when reality TV was new, uh, found footage, I mean, this was the birth of found footage, but this is also like here's here we're taking all the urban legends all the folklore all those creepy scary stories you grew up with we're going to make them real with this is what happens when technology encounters it Mm -hmm. for like the first time (laughs) yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant i think about i was really struck by the the image of when she's talking to the when heather's talking to the two dudes who are fishing and one of them recounts the story that the young girl told who like maybe got away from her and that it's like she's an old woman whose feet never touch the ground oh god i literally just got the chills <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but like that kind of thing and then for them to go into the woods and get lost and be hearing these things at night and to have the totems left outside of their tent and all of this the way it just fucking builds and builds and builds i don't need to see the witch no no it ruins it it's she's so much scarier just as a story there were plenty of sequences where the screen was completely black because they were afraid to turn on their lights and you just hear noises in the woods and them breathing and it's like either you're either that is going to affect you and you're on board with it or it's not and in which case it's probably really boring you know if you've seen all of the shitty found footage films that have come in its wake <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you go back and watch this you might be like okay well whatever cuz you've seen all the tropes play out in like an inferior way so yeah i want to i want to be that asshole who's like well this ain't no area 47 <laughs> Where the yeah. where the dinosaurs are <laughs> at Area Fifty One. <laughs> yeah, but for me, for someone who is deathly afraid of, I mean, I'm afraid of the dark. I'll say it. Like I don't get afraid every night. Me too. But like, but like, I'm afraid of the dark. You can't see what's out there, man. And I'm afraid of the fucking woods. And so for them to be trapped in the woods, and there's noises out there in the darkness that your lights can't reach. And you feel like, I mean, Heather says that at one point we're being hunted. Yeah. And you've got all those urban legends and stories in your mind that all the townspeople seem to believe. It's like, what's more terrifying than this fucking movie? My friend Amy, uh, growing up like in high school, my friend Amy um, had these like, like, she lived in the country. And so she had this little patch of forest behind her house. And her, she and her sister would always play back there. So one day she strung up all the stick figures in the forest. <laughs> and it scared the shit out of her little sister. Because they had just seen it. That's it was awesome. so good. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, it's like that's... I, I remember I was, you know, that era. I, would, I was... I'm still kind of scared of the dark. And I was... I, I remember tur- I-, I would turn off the lights and then run up the stairs to my bedroom as fast as I could because yeah. I'd like be terrified of whatever is behind me. And part of that, maybe I was imagining Ellie Kedward creeping up behind me, even though I'm nowhere near Burkittsville, Maryland. Right. Uh, but 
and I and I think to camping and growing up camping and going out to the forest all the time, and sitting in the forest, uh, sitting in a tent when there's no moon out, and it's pitch black, mm-hmm. and you close your eyes, and then you open them, and there's no difference, mm-hmm. and then you hear something. Mm-hmm. That is unparalleled terror. <laughs> yeah. You my don't friends, know what it is or where it is. No. My friends and I sat in a tent once at a public campground. So there's other campers around us. And we heard this something. It was probably an animal. But we, uh, just the sheer group dynamics and the, the teenage hysteria that came out of it. And we were like 19. But we're hearing this thing. And we were convinced, like, I mean, because we don't have witches in Oregon. We have Bigfoot. Right. So we were convinced Bigfoot was like, traipsing around and and going to come to the tent any second and we were like we worked ourselves into hysterics and we're freaking the fuck out in pitch black just hearing these sounds this movie those sequences not because of that experience but be just because of that familiarity with the woods and the dark and in the night in the dark like it, <laughs> yeah it's fucking terrifying so just hearing those crunching of branches mm-hmm the tree limbs falling like that is i cannot express the second i would hear those like the second night one happens and they just hear those sounds yeah i i was horrified (laughs) there's a great fucking cut i think it's on the second night like the first night josh hears cackling we don't hear it but he wakes up the next day and he's like did you guys hear the cackling last night and then the second night, like, you know, they're they're kind of lost and they decide they're going to have to camp again. And there's a great cut from, like, daytime, setting up the tent, whatever, to Heather saying, hello? Yes. Yeah, it goes right into it. It goes right into it. And that's when they walk out, right? And they're like. Yeah. And, and that's it's... when you start to hear the branches breaking and all of that. Ugh. But that cut, that cut from like good time, like okay, we're still okay, like let's set up the tent for this night, whatever. To like being thrust into the middle of this horrifying situation is just, Mm -hmm. it's so scary. Yeah, I mean, I grew up across the street from the woods, and there was a shortcut through the woods to get to school, and everybody played in the woods, like that was. You know, whatever. But there was always the, you know, somebody lives in the woods, right? That was, nobody knew who it was. There was never a name. There was never anything. It was just like, yeah, there's a guy who lives in the woods. And that would constantly, like, nobody fucking went in the woods after dark. I can tell you that. (laughs) But even during the day, just like playing in there or riding your bike or whatever. It's like, that was always in your mind. Is that there's somebody out here with us. It's, it's. It's eerie. That's what the it's eerie, eerie is. It's the, it's there's a it's the woods is a place where it's like where the eerie meets the sublime. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it's unsettled. It's terrifying. Um, it's un, it's not always safe. Uh, nature right. rules out there. You never know what's going to get you or who could be hiding. Mm-hmm. 
And there's ticks. And there's there's fucking ticks and leeches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary, man. It's I mean, there's a reason all witches live in the woods and all gays cruise out there. Like right. it, it is it <laughs> yeah. is where the others go. Right, exactly. Ah, but it's why this movie just really hits me and that part of like that primal part of my brain that is terrified of these things it just taps right the fuck into it yeah i don't yeah i don't know if like i i try thinking of things that really get to me or scare me in movies um ghost movies freak me out this movie kind of works as a ghost movie i mean witch movies and ghost movies often work in tandem yes uh because it's usually the the spirit of a murdered witch so this kind of a ghost story to some extent um I, I guess wall people really freak me the fuck out. <laughs> We've talked about that. Yeah. But then yeah, this this just immediately triggers all of those childhood uh anxieties and unsettling fears. Yeah. It just gets to me right right to my core. The mm-hmm. editing in this movie, like you said, that that immediate hello (laughs) going into a night scene how aggressively it drops you into some of these sequences i was really stricken by the editing this time um we've talked at length before about i think even in a recent episode we talked about how uh the three actors slash filmmakers heather mike and josh they're really co-authors on this film Mm -hmm. uh, because they were they were tasked with filming the movie and and improvising the movie and following along with notes that were given to them as they were as they were being followed by the filmmakers out in this little stretch of forest that they were filming in um but i do have to say while i while i've talked up these filmmakers as co-authors which are these actors as co-authors which i absolutely think they are eduardo sanchez and dan myrick really did an amazing job editing this movie yes and just i i really in this second this this recent viewing i really appreciate the little moments of artistry too not just those sudden cuts that plunge us into terror but just cuts of of heather talking or them talking and just shifting to 16 millimeter black and white footage of the forest Mm -hmm. illustrating they must have had they must have had so much footage to fucking sift through. Uh, oh, like, I mean, what? I mean, there's there's six nights in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's the entire... Well, actually, no, there's seven nights because there's, there's also nights. the hotel. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the day before that. So it's like eight days, seven nights. So, I mean, they had a week of of DV footage and 16 millimeter footage to sift through. Yeah. I can only imagine... Plus, yeah. I did not realize this, but watching the Blu-ray, which I'd never seen before, um, there's all these alternate endings and things, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, I couldn't believe there were alternate endings where, like, they acted out all of that shit in the house multiple times, which I cannot imagine. Yeah. Like, we talked about them having to do reshoots of Texas Chainsaw and how fucked up that would be. But that yeah. house sequence, I mean, we'll get to that, but that fucking Ugh. sequence... But they were doing that multiple times, and every time Heather is screaming her lungs out as she runs down, and this time Josh is facing her, or this time Josh is levitating, or this time Josh yeah. is hanging from a noose. Mm-hmm. Like. Mike. Mike, yeah. There's so much. There, there was so much stuff they had to go through. So to cut this down to a tight, like, 80 minutes. Yeah. Wild. It's wild. 
it's wild. It's and a, to just make amazing it that to make it that effective. And just the three of them. There are times, um, I think Mike, when the acting is a little obviously acting. Yeah, Mike is Mike is the weakest link. Um, but there's also plenty of times when it's genuine terror, which comes through because of how they shot this film. And that's one thing that so many found footage movies that have come in its wake just can't touch it. Yeah. Because they're made on the cheap with maybe not the most experienced actors who have to ad lib and act like they're scared. It's just like it hardly yeah. ever works, but this movie is fucking lightning in a bottle, man. Ugh. I mean, there were like, uh, talking about the acting, there were like maybe two or three, maybe two moments where I was like, I was like, oh, okay, college acting, 101. Right. Uh but at this, and I said Mike was the weakest link. But at the same time, Mike had one of my very favorite moments. I, I and I even made a note. I love any horror movie that has Gilligan's Island dialogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're talking about Gilligan's Island early on in their journey, and they're in the tent, and they're talking about the captain of the ship, and Mike goes, "It's not the captain; it's the skipper." Yes, <laughs> like, and yeah. They all start cracking up. Like they they remember to play themselves as real people, and the fact that they are these three actors just stuck in this bizarre moment in time in their lives makes it right. real. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we get to as the nights and the days go on and on and the map has gone missing and they've passed the creek the same creek multiple times or the same log as the desperate and then and then mike or josh goes missing and it's just mike and heather mm-hmm. the tiredness and the sadness and the desperation and the hopelessness is so visceral and felt yes yeah, I know that the the confession scene, like Heather's confessional, has become parodied, and I mean it's it's iconic. It's the cover of the fucking thing. It was on the poster, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. I cried. That's when I cried. That's one of the one of the like three scenes I cried in. Yeah, like, and props to her for like knowing how to frame herself um, and et cetera, et cetera. As we're watching it, Maddie goes, oh, that's been parodied a million times. Or that's that's an iconic shot that's been parodied a million times. And I go, and she composed that shot herself at night in the dark, yeah. alone in the fucking forest after like yeah. a week. And that's the first fucking time. You know, this movie is like a Citizen Kane of horror. It is. You it know, you, absolutely you, is. You watch Citizen Kane and you're like, okay, okay, okay. If like you're only seeing it, but if you know what it's about and how many things it was doing for the first time, camera movements and setting like composition, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's fucking revolutionary. And that's the fucking Blair Witch Project. Oh, and let me tell you, I think so much of it, so much of this, of everything we've talked about that's been effective, the acting, the desperation, the compositions, the dialogue when it's really effective. I I have to say it all comes down to my girl Heather Donahue. Sure does, and her she, plum lipstick and her chunky sweater. Oh, she is everything. In yeah, this she movie. drives this film. She dri- I mean I mean that's the point of it is she drives their journey in the film's story also, but she fucking drives this film. She's the skipper. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. her. She passes that off to Josh. Yeah. But she's the skipper of this. I love her. I will die for her. She is my queen. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, her performance. She just wants to. She just wants to make a good movie. She just wants, and no, and that's what. What I really loved on this viewing. I mean, I loved many things. I was still, I was still fucking terrified. I was crying this time, um, but, and I, we've talked about this before, like how Mike and Josh are awful to her, um, and how how media and how horror fans and everyone kind of looked at Heather as this bitch. And then, like I've mentioned before, you know, this is the creation of the, the bitch with the camera trope. Why won't she stop mm-hmm. filming the camera? Why is this evil woman make, leading these people to their deaths? And it's like, what what I'm really getting out of this, and maybe, I mean, maybe with the political climate we're in and everything, but there is a very solid and very um, undeniable through line in this entire movie about sexism and gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And just the way, like, I I remember Mike being more of a shit than Josh, but I'm like, Josh is a fucking asshole to her. Yeah. He is, like, he is just, like, combative with her because she is a woman in charge. Right. Throughout the whole, like, at first he can be, like, kind of her bud, but then as things go on and Heather's the one still calling the shots, he just responds. They both turn into, like, man-children over her um, authority. Yeah. Mike is kind of antagonistic with her almost from the start. Yeah, he is. And she didn't know him before they were shooting this. They make that clear. Yeah. That they had never actually met before. Um, But he's almost, he's really into light humiliation from the get-go with her. Absolutely. Watching her try to navigate a creek. Oh, she has mud on her butt. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, like things like that. From the start, he's singling her out, and yeah. I have felt I have felt that so many times as a woman that when you're the woman in a group of men, straight men, they will single you out. A couple of them, like they're trying to pick off the weak member of the pack. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, I felt it. It's so ridiculous, but I have felt it the few times I have played video games in a group online. Oh, God. With with 10-year-old boys. <laughs> with men. Yeah. <laughs> with adult men. And it's like, even if they're not saying anything or doing anything outright, they are still, they won't leave me alone. Oh, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, trying to just, like, can we just do this thing that we're trying to do? Why are you making your character push mine and push mine and push mine like they just needle you constantly and i felt that so much watching this last night oh, that, that that's what sucks. that's what mike was doing to her from the beginning yeah and what bums me out is that in the confessional she agrees with them it's you know that was so my much. thing is like no honey this is not your fault like this is not your fault at all you did no. everything right she just wanted to make a good movie. <laughs> no, and that's like the gaslighting element. Like mm-hmm. she she takes on the blame because and yes, it was, you know, it was her movie and she had this singular vision in making this movie and she knew how she wanted it to be made. Um but like the map, the map is a the map is a very important plot point in this movie and the fact that they're following the map to get to the cemetery and then you hear something splash in the water and I feel like that's that must have been when Mike kicked it in. Yeah. Um, and then later, Josh is just screaming at Heather. And she's mm-hmm. crying over why did, you, why, why did you lose the map? Mike doesn't say shit. No, he then lets like, her take that. Yeah, he, he just says completely silent, lets her take it. The next, like, day, he, like, you know, has his little boy burst out laughing moment. 
his little nihilist little boy shithead moment where he confesses to kicking the map into the creek. But it's just like that that instance for me that it, they are just railing on her for something that she didn't do. She did everything right. Mike let her take the fall even though he knew what he did. Mm-hmm. And then she, by the end of it, she's internalized all that. Yes. It's just, it makes it so... I mean, Mike ultimately kind of goes catatonic towards the end. Um, Josh becomes extremely aggro until he vanishes and is tortured. uh, uh, Unless if he wasn't the one doing the things to them at the end. Who knows? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But no, she takes she takes the brunt of all of it, and that's what bums me out. It's like I think she was too scared to even be conscious of it at the end. But I'm like, oh, she died thinking this was her fault. It's the that's the tragedy of the Blair Witch. That's Project. the tragedy of it, you know. It's that not the Ellie Kedward one, but that sexism one. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is but, it is it's a very it's so funny that. I mean, I mean, culturally, now we're only beginning to start to look at sexism and things in media. But uh, it's funny that that never was really talked about before. No, not at all. When it's definitely built into the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think Heather, I think Heather was probably really instrumental in making that come through. Yeah. As, as they filmed this, yeah. Well, and it's interesting that I mean, you know talking about found footage films that have followed in its wake and how many things they pulled from this film. And it's like, why did they also take that archetype? Yeah. The, it's the bitch specific. who's, this is all her fault. Like that character crops up and found footage repeatedly. And it's like, why did you take that shitty dude directors? Yeah. Like, you know, why was that one of your takeaways from this film? Well, and that's, I mean, I think that's part of the misogyny that came out of the movie was, yeah. you know, Heather's a bitch. So then it's like, okay, you got to have the woman that causes the whole problem. Like even in a, well, one of the last found footage movies I really loved, As Above, So Below, there's that same mm-hmm. thing. Why are you still filming? Why are you still going, making us go deeper into the caves? They're constantly yelling at Scarlet. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, she proves them all wrong in the movie and, and saves them, the ones that are left, but, spoilers, but it's, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely coming from that place of we're just going to uh, recycle our misogynist reaction to the thing that we saw in the movie and how popular culture responded to it. Right. And then it becomes its own new found footage trope. Yeah. And so I just, I love that, like, I I think a lot of people don't realize it. Yeah. That, like, Heather Donahue is vindicated by that fucking shot, though, that iconic shot, you know, which was her composition, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, in her dialogue, when she says, I'm scared to close my eyes and I'm scared to open them. It's like, that's a fucking classic line. Yeah. And that's hers, too. Yeah. Yeah. She created, I mean, all that dialogue. Yeah. The delivery of the stories, the composition of the shots, the entire storyline of of this fight and this this subtle, not even subtle gaslighting and, and sexism that she's constantly battling with with these guys and how she processes and internalizes her. That is all Heather Donahue, man. Mm-hmm. She's a god. Give her a fucking 
Oscar, <laughs> yeah. Pulitzer, <laughs> yeah. Emmy, Grammy, Tony, hell, hell. Nobel. There's one little little moment that is so perfect and true, and it's the getting to the the scene in the house where it's just like. Ugh. It's so fucking terrifying that Mike and Heather are sleeping and they hear Josh like wailing somewhere out in the darkness. And so they decide that this time they're going to go find him. And then they just come across this house like right there that they haven't they didn't see it during the day. They've been through the woods for this is their sixth night in the woods. Yeah, they have been over the same because they're basically trapped in a circle. They have been over the exact same terrain the entirety of the six days and nights they've been out there. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there is this ramshackle, broken down, God forbid, do not fucking go inside it, house in the middle yeah. of the woods in the middle of the night. Oh, God. And it's so, I mean, that whole sequence, I think, is just fucking brilliant. And I think some of it is happenstance. Like the fact that Mike has the video camera. Which has the and- sound. Which has sound, and Heather's got the 16, which has no sound. And so you only hear her through his camera. So the sense of disconnect? The sense of disconnect, and at the end, when he's been hit on the head or whatever, and his camera falls to the floor, and you hear her coming closer. But you're watching it from her perspective. But you're watching it. But she sounds far away, even though you're following her. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, I have, like, goosebumps I do too. about it. It's so amazing. And there's one shot. It's really quick. And it's just, it's one of my favorite moments in the film. And it's so random. It's like, we're watching through Mike's lens. And he's gone upstairs to try to find Josh. And he turns the camera around. And she's coming up behind him. And she falters on the landing. And she's kind of like bent. She's got the camera up and she's kind of bent over and she like takes a step forward and then kind of takes steps back because she's so fucking scared of going up. And it's just it's such a little moment of truth that I just I don't know if she actually was that scared or like I think she was. I think she was. Because you got like this house is dark except for whatever lights they have on their cameras. I can't even like go to the bathroom without getting scared in my own apartment. Like, <laughs> not to mention the fucking handprints, the baby yeah. handprints everywhere. Because we're we're I guess we're assuming this is Rustin Parr's house, right? Hmm. And so shit's gone down, and maybe Josh is in there somewhere yelling and. I, it's just got to be so... I've been in places that are pitch black and I say no thank you. But that, after after six nights of terror... I mean, there's <sighs> there's only one night where there isn't. I mean, the first night Josh hears cackling. Uh, right. The, the fourth night, they just talk about cheeseburgers and mashed potatoes. And luckily, nothing happens to them because they have just survived the most terrifying night up until the last night. No, the fourth night is the hands. I wrote this all down as it was happening. Wait, is the fourth night? I thought I charted it. I thought. First night, Josh hears cackling. Yeah. Second night, they try to find the cemetery. They find the rock uh, cairns. Yes. The little rock statues. And she wakes up hearing hello. And that's when they start hearing the branches breaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go outside the tent and. Yeah. Night three, they hear more noises. Their equipment's due back the, the next day. We don't get any visuals. But Mike says he hears footsteps. 
And there's a really great moment where Mike and Heather are outside the tent and he's like, can you hear the footsteps? Oh. And then he says, please tell me that the sun's going to come up soon or whatever. And she says, it's only three o'clock. Oh, my God. Oh, so night four is the, the devil night. Night four is the fucking devil night where you hear all the voices. I missed a night then. Oh, my God. Night four. Stacy Ponder, help me. Goody Ponder. <laughs> I, I literally night four went, is... Oh, God. My, no, my notes just say, is this my personal scariest scene in a movie ever? Yeah. I mean, the end of, like, what, so then it's night seven is Mm -hmm. the finale. Is the confessional and then the house. So night seven is, I mean, it's just, it's just, don't even go there. This is the worst thing that's ever happened ever. But night four? Yeah. Oh my fucking God. They're they're in the tent, they're sleeping, and it's another one of those, like, harsh cuts, kind of, from day to night. And the camera comes on and it's blurry because they're literally just turning it on. They've been sound asleep. I'm covering my face. (laughs) And you can hear all the voices outside. Of children. Of children, like, laughing, talking. Like, who knows? It was, was, it turns out, it was a recording of children at a playground that they were playing outside the tent. Oh, my God. But then when you hear, like, a baby, like, go, (laughs) and then Heather's, (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. And then... Oh, my God. Hands, something, somebody starts beating on and shaking the fucking tent. Oh, my God. Which was always my worst nightmare camping. Yeah. And then they just bolt. They just bolt in a fucking straight line out of that tent, and they stay outside until the sun comes up. The second Heather goes running, and it's like, oh, my God, nothing can get any fucking worse than this than the the children giggling and crying and then the shaking of the tent nothing can get worse than that and then you're running into the middle of the woods there's no light and then you just hear heather screaming oh my god what the fuck is that what the fuck is that Mm -hmm. and you don't see what the fuck that is yeah so much of this movie relies on like us just hearing things and not being and like your mind filling in the blanks and like the unknown. It's the fear of the fucking yeah. unknown. This movie plays into it so well. Yeah. Yeah, they stay outside until the daytime and then they go back and Josh's shit is like strewn about and missing and he's got the slime on his Yeah, the, stuff. the slime and blue jelly shit. Yeah. And then the fifth night happens. And that's nothing. They get a rest. That's, that's like nothing. They finally get a night of rest. But then in the morning, Josh is gone. Which is like fucking Blair Witch. Fucking Ellie Kedward is a master psychological abuser. <laughs> yeah. That she gives them a night of rest mm-hmm. and you think it's okay. And then you wake up and your friend is gone. Yeah. And then that night they hear him. Oh, God. They hear him outside. They think it's him crying and wailing and screaming. And then the next morning, Heather finds the bundle of sticks. Oh, my God. Which I would always couldn't. I could never tell what that was when she opens it. I mean, we see the bundle of sticks. Well, I think I don't know if it's video quality and also childhood memories, but like or teenage memories. But like um, she gets the bundle of sticks. It's rat. It's it's bound with. Uh, strips of Josh's plaid shirt mm-hmm. and it's all wet and then she opens it and then I mean her gasp 
Heather's gasp is horrifying and so effective yeah. every time she yeah. gasps in this movie because she does a yeah. full hargum intake of air. <laughs> but like yeah. Heather opening it and then she drops the camera and steps back so you don't even see what it is. And then when she zooms in, uh, I just remember being on the internet and people being like, it was teeth and a tongue or all this stuff. This time I seeing it, I was like, is it, it's his, it looks like it is his teeth all the way down to the root and then like some hair. Yeah. It's teeth and hair. Yeah, yeah. and long, his lo- long hair, like a horse. <laughs> long hair and, and blood. Yeah. Ugh. And she, as scared as she is, as fucking petrified as she is, as lost as they are, and they must be hungry. It's been like a week at this point. She has the kindness to not tell Mike what she found. No, and watching her freak out as she just puts on her backpack and she's like, it's fine. I didn't see anything. It's fine. I did, I'm fine. Yeah. We're going to keep walking. It's fine. And then her hair gets stuck in her backpack. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike yeah. has to help her out of that. Yeah. It, it, but she doesn't share it with him because what would be the point? Well, Mike is a ch- Mike is a man child. He wouldn't be able to handle yeah. it. And Heather knows that Mike is, has already lost it more than she has. Right. And she knows that one of them has to be at least a little bit more sane than the other. And Mike won't be won't be able to even get through it. If she tells right. him mm-hmm. that hopelessness, the hopelessness of the last day. Yeah. When she sets down the camera and they just sit there next to each other. Mm-hmm. I, I was crying then. It's, <laughs> it's so yeah. effective. Mm-hmm. And then that ending. God, that fucking house. Why would you ever go inside that? I know. And like, I love the question. Like, as, I, you know, as a as a as a youth watching this, I'm like, you know, it's absolutely Ellie Kedward. But like, knowing the Rustin Parr story, you know that Ellie uses people, right? So it's like, I keep thinking, like, did she get to Josh? And seeing how aggro Josh got with Heather, right? Like, was it Josh? It was. Was it Josh fucking with them? He runs upstairs and he's screaming. Then he runs downstairs and then he takes them out. Maybe. Like, it's... Oh, it's fucked up. Because that was Rustin Parr's whole thing, right? Was that, like, finally she's leaving me alone now. Like, he killed enough children to satisfy her or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so he wasn't haunted by Ellie Kedward. He wasn't haunted. So it's possible it's Josh. We don't... You'll never know. Yeah, it could be either or. I mean, either is horrifying. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I mean, it's still Ellie Cadward. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. She's a master manipulator and psychological abuser. <laughs> God, what a movie. I fucking, literally, I mean, we've talked about heart boners before. Yeah. This movie is the definition of that for me. It's, mm-hmm. especially this viewing, I'm like, in memory, I, 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 this has been one of my favorite movies of all time. And watching this now... As a, as a little bit older and a little bit wiser and, and now a gay lord, it's like, <laughs> I I have nothing but love for this movie. And I really think it's Same. potentially the most effective horror movie ever made. And, it, and that fucking scene, that n- night four, scariest yep. scene I've ever seen in a movie for me. Yeah. I guess I was just shocked at how well it holds up for me. Like, it's still just... Can, evoke so many emotions yeah and just the construction of it 
Yeah. The procession of those days, the hopelessness that, oh, I will never get over how brilliant that fucking opening is of just interviewing those townspeople and hearing their folklore. Right. And obviously Mary Brown. And obviously Mary Brown. With her long hair, long like a horse. (laughs) She's a ballerina, you know. (laughs) And a scientist. (laughs) And a scientist and an actor. I fucking love Mary Brown forever. (laughs) That's how I sold Maddie. I was like, you have to stay for this crazy woman that talks about, she had long hair like a horse, but she was a woman. (laughs) (laughs) It's just perfect. It's It's a perfect perfect movie. It will literally... Lightning does not strike twice. Um, I can't say these words right now. Lightning does not strike twice. (laughs) Uh, This movie and its sequels prove this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The found footage that I love that have come after this are the ones that do something new with the conceit. Yeah. Something like Record. Record does a fucking great job. Or like Mungo. Or these movies that, you know take that first person kind of camera thing and do something else entirely with it but so many movies have just a bunch of ding-dongs are gonna go get lost somewhere and yell at each other and scream and then they're gonna run and then it's gonna end yeah it's all true it all all really happened this is evidence why are you still filming you fucking bitch oh no we're (laughs) dead oh no i'm sad oh i'm getting dragged off to the darkness camera falls the end Mm mm-hmm but the FBI, it's true. <laughs> also, it's really refreshing how little film glitches there are in the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Oh when God, yes. all found footage now, even though they're using HD and like they're using, <laughs> it's all digital. So it, cameras don't do this. <laughs> don't they? Don't do this. All There's like none in glitching. this film. There's like none. Yeah. They don't rely on, like, tricks of the camera. You're seeing what they're seeing. Yeah. No, you just... There's no tricks. There's no jokes. There's no glitches. There's no ghost faces. There's none of that shit. No. It's just very... It's so simple and so effective. So smart. So smart. So smart. Did they have any idea what they were doing when they were making this movie? They couldn't have. I mean... How would you even fucking know? Like, obviously, I mean, the actors regret it, or at least Heather, I think. I feel like, I mean, it it kind of ruined her life, but, um, which is really terrible because, I mean, the woman should be fucking celebrated endlessly for this movie. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, how could you even, and I I can't wait to screen this, and I was telling you that we were getting the um, producer, Greg Hale, to come to the screening because he lives in Portland. Um, but it's just like that's something I really want to ask is like did you have any fucking idea yeah that you were literally I mean this is alchemy like you were you were making gold yeah I think it's it's something like it's akin to maybe like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where it's like it's almost a fluke Mm -hmm. the planets just all aligned Nobody knew what it was going to be. Everybody was just in the moment for better or for worse. And just somehow everything came together and you made a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And this is like an entirely new kind of masterpiece that managed to capture the public's imagination in a way that 
can't happen again on so many levels on so many levels it was dependent on the art form it was dependent on the marketing it was dependent on the media around it Mm -hmm. just the sheer story the the sense of stories the stories about the Blair Witch the stories in the film the stories about the actors Mm -hmm. it'll never happen again that that internet that flavor of internet is gone we are all way too jaded oh anything like that to happen again it took me back though watching it like yeah it took me the fuck back because i remembered um i there were certain lines of dialogue where i was like holy fuck like i would get kind of triggered by the line of dialogue um because then i and then i had a flashback and my sense memory kicked in and i remembered like oh heather saying like there's one scene where heather says like i don't know i don't know or something but like I had that sound clip on my computer and that would play like whenever I couldn't like I would I would go in and download sounds from AOL and ch- <laughs> change my sound prompts on my computer. So it would always be lines of dialogue. And like I had a lot of Blair Witch sounds that would pop up all the time. <laughs> so like I hear that line of dialogue and I'm like, oh, fuck. And I have that memory of being on my computer. And then I'm suddenly remembering being back on Internet chat rooms in AOL in 1989. <laughs> and then I remember looking at this website and watching MTV News and watching The Curse of the Blair Witch. And it was just like, man, it was a better time. <laughs> it, was, it was a better time. It was like, a straight better up. time. It just was. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're too far past that now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we're all going to die. But, <laughs> but oh. I just, I feel so fortunate to have gotten to experience a genre changing pioneering incredible film as it happened like yeah. how lucky we are yeah yeah it'll never happen again i mean i'm sure some because i film... do maybe i mean with some maybe well i don't know a snapchat marketing camp no no it'll never happen again you're right <laughs> yeah i just i don't know what it could be because it's not something that happens all the time it would have to be completely different in a completely different configuration but yeah. But this will never happen again, no. No, because even movies that were successful that kind of kicked off trends, like, I don't know what the first, like, torture porn film was it Saw, or was it Hostel, or whatever. Like, you can say, yeah, that kicked off the trend for torture porn and all of that, but it's still, like, JV. It's still, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I guess, second string compared like, to this and Halloween. Yeah, I feel like you know? that would have been Saw, which was, like, an, another, like, independent film success story. Look, it's created a whole franchise and a whole genre revolution, whatever, that nobody could be into caring about. But, like... Right. But, yeah, it didn't have the same mythos. Right. It didn't... And it just... It, it doesn't feel as formative or something. Or maybe it's just because I like this better. I don't know. But I'm like, to see something so huge I mean, that engages the entire public and not just horror fans. Yeah. Yeah. It, is, it was a complete phenomenon. Like it. Yeah. I mean, what we had. I mean, honestly, and if you think about the 20th century, there were a handful. Yeah. And this was the this was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Because anytime one of those clips comes around that's like, oh, listen to this audience reaction of The Exorcist, or you read, like, you watch a documentary or, you know, read an article about audiences at the time, and I always think, like, wow, 
What must that have been like? Oh, like the people when trains were coming after them in the silent films. <laughs> yeah, like, wow, to experience that. And I think just watching this last night and as I'm like, this is yours. Yeah, you absolutely. Saw, you saw Heather's fucking diary in the glass case. Like, yeah, you know, I you got to experience that kind of thing with this film. That's why I was sitting there and I was like instantly triggered. I was instantly sucked right back to 20 years ago to 1999. And, and then I just I I was sitting there on my seat. My eyes started glowing and I started levitating. <laughs> hair started growing hair everywhere. Hair started growing. Hair like a like a like a horse, but you could tell she was a woman. <laughs> I started fucking I just and I my feet didn't touch the ground. <laughs> and then I I killed a bunch of stragglers on a rock and nice. tied them up. Yeah, well, it was cool. Good. Good. I had a good night. It was it was a, a great vape pen. But wow, yeah, yeah, it's it, it was it's a special, special, special movie. I, it is Blair Witch haters get out. Get the fuck out! You're not welcome here. Not I'm not interested in your I don't like the Blair Witch Project opinions. I'm really not. I get it that it's not a movie for everybody, and I get that it's really kind of personal for me and for you, Anthony. That like we. Some parts of our psyche are just like it taps into them and it's going to work for us. And I get that it's not like that for everybody. But I'm tired of hearing I'm about tired it. I'm tired of fucking frankly. hearing it. But also, I mean, also thinking about the mythos, right? I keep talking about the mythos, but like, uh, what, I mean, this is like, what other horror, I'm, I, there have to be a billion, but what other horror thing like has this story around it? Right. You know, where it's like, like, I think to, like, Star Trek and how fans, you know, you, you can speak Klingon or Lord of the Rings and everyone knows all the history of Middle Earth and people speak Elvish. But, like, the Blair Witch, we have 200 years of stories about Ellie Kedward. Right. They went all in. And I don't know. It's a chicken egg kind of thing. You know, is it like it was so successful so everybody went all in or did it? was it successful because they had gone all in but it's like having the tie-in sci-fi channel documentary mm-hmm. and books i had a book oh i wanted the book i never got it i had the book and like all this kind of stuff there were video games yeah there was a soundtrack like, that was the it was the heather's car mix her mixtape <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, it became very real. And even that kind of thing, I don't think you can do too much. And and they just, they they did so much. There were so many peripheral Mm tie-ins that didn't just feel like, even though ultimately they were like marketing, but didn't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck else in horror has that kind of world built up around it? Yeah. Like, I really am having trouble even thinking of any instances. That is, like, canon material. Yeah, you know, Something yeah. like Friday the, Friday the 13th, which has such a crazy through line yeah. from beginning to end. Um, and then fans are like, well, uh, you know, trying to fill in the blanks and figure things out because it changes with each new film and blah, 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 blah. Like, but there's nothing really like this. Mm-mm. I want some Blair Witch books, man. Yeah, get me the. I want the in um, in Curse of the Blair Witch they have, 
a book called, I think it's called The Blair Witch Cult. And mm-hmm. it was like this ancient, ancient, old, old, old book that was like published about the stories of the Blair Witch. And I'm like, <sighs> make it, make it, print it. 20th anniversary, right. baby, I'll buy it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I'll buy that entire old book that Heather has that just has one article about Coffin Rock just for that. <laughs> like, yeah. Sell it yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. When I walked, even thinking about the props, I love that you got to go to that premiere with the everything in the glass case. That's wild. Yeah. Um, the uh, Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle has an incredible horror exhibit. And they have, like, Mrs. Voorhees' head in there and, like, Ooh. all these amazing props. Um, one of them, the one that I, I was, like, I mean, I was I was looking at the steak from Buffy at Mr. Pointy. And I was, like, oh, it's Mr. Pointy. Or, like, oh, it's Pamela Voorhees. This is cute, you know. But what chilled me to the bone was seeing one of the stick figures and seeing, oh, wow. seeing um, the DV camera. Mm-hmm. And I was just, and it was all degraded and and old mm-hmm. and broken. And I was just like, "Holy fucking shit!" Where it was like, I was scared to get near it, and I know that it's a movie, right? It, yeah, it was like that's a a venerable, like sacred object, <laughs> like <laughs> right? Yeah, seeing all the stuff at the theater that night, it's like it wasn't just like, oh, here's a copy of Heather's whatever, whatever. It's like it was waterlogged and filthy and buckled and all, you know uh, what I mean? And so to see all of these things and here's the camera and the tapes and blah, blah, blah. And then to go in and watch the film is just like, holy fuck. It was just, it was an experience. It was absolutely an experience. And I am so glad <laughs> I got to amazing. be there for it. It's amazing. I mean, when the heat death of the universe and the sixth extinction comes upon us tomorrow, yeah. At the very least, we can say we were there for the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> so the, mm-hmm. it turns out this mortal coil has been worth it. It's been worth it. If only for, for this. this. <laughs> and I hope Heather Donahue knows that. I hope somewhere. she knows. Uh, Heather, it is not your fault. It's not your fault. None of it was your fault. And you know what? You are the one. If you're responsible for anything, it's for changing the world for the better with this amazing film. My queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope she's listening. <laughs> I give this movie five Heather gasps up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Infinity. Oh, Infinity. I love it. I love it. <gasps> <gasps> Do we have a listener question today, Stacy? We do. And it ties into Vovich Nonanth. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Get all our witch shit out, babe. Man, I love this month. I love it. I love witches. I can't get enough of witch month. Let's just extend it to witch Witch all to witch all time. (laughs) Yes. Witch all. Witch cast. Witch cast. Hey, witch cast. And we'll just talk about the same 10 movies over and over and over. We really could be ye old gay lorf of darkness. <laughs> Can we? I want to. Uh, let's make an old timey logo. Oh my okay. god, let's do it for yeah. this one. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> be so good. All right. Well, the question comes from Steffi X Jean. I don't know what that means. Steffi good X for her. Jean. Good for them. Steffi Times Jean. Oh. 
something. I don't know. Steffi X Jean. Um, Maybe they're like a Brangelina. Well, that could be. It's a portmanteau or something, or it's an algebra equation. Yeah. I, I love I them. like that I say Brangelina and then you go with the big words. He's <laughs> <laughs> so smart, Goody Ponder. <laughs> I love algebra. Just let up. Ladies. For your consideration. I do. I have this is a God's honest truth. I have an algebra workbook that I like to do algebra stuff from time to time. Because first I really do. Um because it exercises a different part of my brain. You know, like it's just it's something concrete that I can do. Like math versus like trying to write something or whatever. It's just Stacy. I really appreciate this about you. Thank you. And I As someone just... who... <laughs> yes? I have, I, math is... Well, math is scary, uh, but it's also really cool. And uh, the universal language, as Jodie Foster taught us in contact. That's right. That's right. So and... I think that's really cool. Well, thanks. And, and I not just, at all algebra... silly or nerdy. <laughs> I mean, it is. But, like, algebra is also my favorite because it's like solving little mysteries. And you know I love to solve a mystery. Oh, so it's like, it's like, you're like, you're like finding out what happened to the ghost girl right. and putting her to rest as exactly. you solve those equations. Yeah. When they're That's like, you, you know, covering up the well. Solve for X. And I'm like, I'll find that ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Carry over the one. Yeah. <laughs> Bury the braided hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love algebra. I there, love that. There you go. So, uh, Steffi X Jean asks... Who is not an algebra equation? But not maybe. an algebra, but maybe we'll see when I crack open the workbook. <laughs> so cool! Uh, favorite witch of all time oh. is the question. Favorite oh. witch of all time? Yeah. Why you gotta do us like that, Steffi X Jean? That's a tough one. It's really hard, right? It's really, really difficult. Because witches, there's a variety of witches. Right? Like You got your... <laughs> you got your... <laughs> you got your black metal death Sabbath queen <laughs> realness. Your eyeliner witch. Yeah, you got your witch hazels and looney tunes. <laughs> I love witch hazel. Oh, and her little shoes. Her little bobby pins that yeah, fly she's off. so cool. <laughs> I love her, her. Yeah, but I think for me... I think it's either, like, the unnamed witch in The Vavitch, mm. or your Ellie Kedward. Mm. Maybe Ellie Kedward, because I love the mythology. I love the urban legend aspect and yeah. the scary witch who wants to kill you living in the woods. That's oh my favorite. My that works. So I guess those two would be... The ones that most fulfill that sort of, oh, yeah. And when you say when you say the Vivitch from the Vivitch, uh, are you referring to you're just referring to one member of the coven, like the old la- the crone that kills the crone, the, baby? the crone or that the, makes the baby paste. Witch. I'm I'm referring to the crone who yeah. is in the barn with them and is so fucking terrifying and who makes baby paste, baby She's salsa. She's incredible. Yeah. Like that. Baby salsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
She's terrifying. I love, I mean, as much as I wanted to say Susie Banyan, because I just obviously love Susie Banyan. In Suspiria, a little film called Suspiria, 2018. Oh, I forgot she she is a witch. She's a witch. Yeah, I didn't as, even think of Susie Banyan. Yeah, as much as I, I just, wanted to say her, if not other members of that coven, um, I really got to go with the scary, crone-tastic witches who live in the woods and will sneakily fuck up your life and kill you. They will absolutely kill you. Yeah, I love it. Uh, because they are rejecting everything about the human world. That's right. And especially the clothes. Right yeah, especially the clothes. Oh my god, my uh, my good my good ghoul friend Louisiana Purchase. She's an amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she's a great drag name. She is an amazing drag queen in Austin, Texas. She's actually on the new season three of Dracula that's airing on Amazon Prime right now. Nice. Um. But she uh, she is one of my queens. Uh, she was she performed in the very first queer horror. Hmm. She did a drag number when the Vivitch came out as Crone Witch. Oh my god! And she did a full like nude illusion look as her, where she had the like pantyhose, like hanging pantyhose tits and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and she fucking killed it. I was like, because she's like she's like kind of like a Betty Page sort of burlesque queen. Mm. But seeing her do this, like, absolutely repulsive nude crone, oh my god, it, it was amazing. So everyone, oh. please go please go look it up. I think she has that number on YouTube somewhere, but it is so fucking funny. Um, yeah, god, I love a witch like that. That's that's. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of Suspiria, Stacey, of any of the witches in that coven. Because, yeah, I think of... I think of my dirt witches. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like I think of the the swamp witch. I love I love the earthen hags too. Yes. Like that that chthonic, almost earth deity. She is coming out of the ground to punish you for everything for Christianity for patriarchy for, for clothes all the, for clothes for all the shit for internet fingers all the falsity. <laughs> All the false illusions and delusions of of human civilization and all the constructions. Witches are there to just tear them down, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, a satanic dirt witch, man. Yeah. Um, so I, I came up with, I have my favorite witch of all time, and then I do have three honorable, honorable mentions that all follow in line with those, that trope. Um, my number one, I mean, I agree, it's Ellie Kedward. Like, yeah. nothing... I have nothing but respect for her. <laughs> yeah. Just to be clear, in case she's listening. In case she's listening. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I did put out my slime traps, but like, <laughs> I have nothing but respect for Ellie Kedward. Uh, I, her mythos is heartbreaking. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea of this, this poor, like Irish immigrant woman being thro- cast down in the woods and, and tortured and frozen um it's heartbreaking but it's also so fucking badass what she did in 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 revenge mm-hmm. um she's it for me she is the scariest witch out there i am terrified of ellie kedward she is an integral part like i was saying earlier of why i'm afraid of the dark and and still am as an adult yeah. ellie kedward here's to hats off to you you know the giant Conical hat off to Ellie Kedward. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two is Elandra from Superstition. Yep. 
because she's a fucking boss. Uh, (laughs) She's so cool. She's so fucking brutal. I love her screaming at everybody and loving it every minute of her life and on life. My number three, actually, she's like hand in hand with Alondra, though. Truly another wonderful dirt witch is Meg Foster as Margaret Morgan. Fuck yeah. In Lords of Salem... I mean, I love Lords of Salem for many reasons, but I think Meg Foster might be the number one reason. Absolutely. That for me, op- yeah. That opening shot and that first line of, in the name of Satan. She <laughs> yeah. is fucking metal. Yeah. Fucking cool. If anyone ever played Ellie Kedward, it could only be Meg yeah. Foster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I basically think Margaret Morgan and Ellie Kedward are like the same person. Um fucking love her and then another uh, i went with a swamp witch for my my third honorable mention and that's meg mucklebones from legend <laughs> oh. she, she's so cool i love oh. her and i love every time she goes jack <laughs> so <laughs> i love a crone you know and maybe that's yeah. just because it feels like it's my immediate future is to be a crown <laughs> Um, and it's what I aspire to be. But I think about, did you ever see Beastmaster back in the day? And I, like, I still have not seen Beastmaster. The three I'm... crone sisters who are like, give us the eye! Like, I just, oh. <laughs> I love a woodsy crone. Crones are the coolest. Yeah. They're literally the coolest. Yeah. We need to get some more crones happening. Millennials are killing crones. <laughs> <laughs> Applebee's and crones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, where's Crone Night at Applebee's? Yeah. <laughs> at Applebee's after dark. Sisters, Appletini's are half off. <laughs> 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 <sighs> but you know, thinking about how much I love Ellie Kedward and like Blair Witch and how we talked about the mythos and all that, how in the Vitch, it's not the point of the film, and I understand that, but I love that there's none of that also. Mm-mm, mm-mm. She's just a force of nature who's out there in the woods. It's just the woods. She just is. That's no story. No story. That's no what's name. outside. That's what's outside. Ooh, I love it. That's what exists outside your Christian confines. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why I love the Covenant Lords of Salem. Just sit there. They've rejected all society. They're sitting in the woods and they're playing their music like loud, angry kids in their garage. Yeah. Because they don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. God, they're so cool. I love witches, man. Oh, Ellie Kedward might be the most metal of them all, though. And we don't even see her. You don't even see her. Now that's power. It's fucking power. She's fucking awesome. I love her. Can we just talk about Blair Witch every week? I think, yeah, we're just the Blair Witch cast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really happy we did get to finally do a Blair Witch episode because we've talked about it so many times. Yes. Uh, But to really get to to rewatch it and to go through it. Uh, what a it treat. doesn't. It doesn't get enough love. I mean, I think it's important, and I think a lot of people recognize its importance. And God knows it's been written about enough times, but you don't see people with their giant Blair Witch number one foam fingers. You know what I mean? People don't no, talk about how much they love it. 
Where's the Blair Witch? Where's the... I've never seen any Blair Witch stuff at conventions. And Lord knows I go to enough of those horror conventions. Mm-hmm. They're always reuniting the craft or reuniting... Right now they're doing a Watchmen reunion at a convention. Where's the Blair Witch? It's 20th anniversary. I haven't seen anything for Blair Witch. Right. Hmm. Everyone should be talking about this movie and only watching this movie every day of this year, all year long. Yeah. Heather Donahue. Heather fucking Donahue. Ellie fucking Kedward. <laughs> Two queens. Two queens. Two perfect queens. <laughs> I'm so scared right now. <gasps> For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my, my god. god! Oh, oh my, my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gators of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.